0: Welcome to another episode of Million Dollar Stories, where we get to interview authors from all over the world. And as you guys know, most of my audience is uh, is basically an entrepreneur looking to start a business, or maybe they have a business. They're looking to grow it the right way, get around the right people. Uh, the guest I have today wrote a book, How to Run an Online Business, How to Run an Internet Business Now, by uh, in a, the guy's name that I'm going to be interviewing for the next 40 minutes or so, Dr. Chaz Fox. and. Uh, Uh, Aligning modern academic principles with professional best practices post-pandemic. Very interesting. And so here's a quick little bio, guys. Dr. Chaz Fox, the CEO of Micromark, has introduced over a 1,000 successful products in his career. His unusual background as a former NFL player, CEO, and adjunct professor at Seton Hall University provides insight into into how to succeed with an online business. So Chaz, thanks so much for being here, man pleasure to be here so what made you write this book start
1: well. there's been so much disruption since the pandemic in the way business operates um, both externally and even internally where you just finding employees is difficult um and academia which i'm a part of i'm i'm a, a, a professor at, at seton hall um those principles were a little behind what uh, I see professionally. Professionally, you have to constantly improve and, and grow and learn, um, especially in the digital market. And um, I just wanted to sort of bring online some of those professional practices that I see are, that are important also into the academic space. So sort of combining those two things.
0: You know, that's uh, you you have an interesting background here. Most people who start a business, they become an entrepreneur and they just keep creating businesses seemed like you uh, reached the uh, the hero's journey, and uh, or you you were on it, and then you started to give back and want to educate the kids uh, Def- who are up and coming. So
1: definitely you know, why- give back. It's not for the money, for sure. Um, but it is. I think it's important that um, that that you do give back, and that's my way of doing it. So a thousand products,
0: and uh, like let's go back to the beginning. You were an NFL player. Uh can you kind of give us the rundown cuz that is I don't get to interview a lot of professional athletes turned entrepreneurs just saying no.
1: Yeah, I I um I have an interesting story. I was pretty good in high school but I didn't have the eyes to catch the ball. And so I wasn't recruited by all the big big time schools. I went to Furman University. Um I'm hanging out with this girl and um I'm I'm sort of flirting with her and she's got glasses and I borrow her glasses. Put on the glasses and I realized that I can see, that I can see with these glasses. I can see the leaves on the trees. I can see the veins on the leaves on the trees. And I realized that I, I had been uh, essentially cheating on my eye exam every time because I just didn't want to wear glasses. I'm a little bit vain. And I told my mom about it. We got glass. we got contacts. All of a sudden, I, I can catch. And not only can I catch, I can really catch because I've been trying to catch without being able to see for the longest time. And I broke the 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 school record for receptions and touchdowns and all that, and was drafted into the NFL and played wide receiver. Bounced around the league for for three years, uh, sort of sort of a fun ride. But it sort of tells you, you know, almost everybody is doing something that's holding them back. Some some of them, some you might know exactly what it is. You just haven't taken all the steps to to resolve it. And some of them, you're just not even aware. Like I wasn't even aware of how much this was holding me back. And um, it's amazing what happens when you can release that. And, um, it's, so it's, a, it's, it's, sort of a, a life story. I've, I've always sort of uh, thought about what am I not thinking of, or what am I, what am I doing? That's holding me back that I'm not even aware of. So,
0: man, it's, uh, it kind of ties in with a, a quote I heard your mess becomes your message, but also what's holding you back could be like your superpower too. the fact that you tried to, to try to develop a, a strength, even though you, that weakness was there, it made you extra strong whenever you were given full sight. That's yep. phenomenal, man. Yep, so you. how did the first online business come to be?
1: Well, I'm going to, I'll jump to the, I'll, 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 I want to add one other thing about playing in the league. What I found was so interesting because um, I was on three teams. I was with the bills and the chiefs and the Cardinals. And with the bills, we had four hall of fame future hall of famers. We didn't know at the time they were hall of famers, but you had Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, Andre Reed, and um, Bruce Smith, uh, not very many teams have four hall of famers there. And I've got to see how they were. And they were somewhat paranoid. They were always worried about uh, somebody doing some drills that they weren't doing. And 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 that sort of paranoia, I've really found to be a key element. Um, I don't know if the paranoia is exactly the right word, but just knowing that there's more and knowing that other people are doing some other things that you want to be aware of what they are. It's not just the talent that you're born with. It's the knowledge that you have to keep attaining and constantly attain. And those guys were really after that um, and I I thought that was really important. The other thing I saw was that the players on the teams were essentially, I mean, the same. I mean, the, maybe one quarterback's a little better than another quarterback and maybe aligns a little bit. But in general, you, you have excellent talent on the field, and it really came down to strategy. It really came down to aligning that strategy, aligning those resources. The teams that made it to the playoffs had just better strategy, not necessarily better players and i found that to be fascinating right I, I applied that to my to my business um concepts wow. um, so strategy is so important and the nfl also gave me the i wouldn't have gone back to school um professionally i didn't need to but because i was already a ceo but the nfl paid for me to get my mba and go back and get my doctorate and i just decided to do it because because i just felt like that was just a great opportunity to expand that that knowledge and and build off of it and um and and so that that helped me and and I, I got my cognate in strategic management It's a fairly new man, uh, new man, new cognate and so all those kind of things kind of came together into into one thing and uh, i think it's really helped me get where i am right now wow you played in the super bowl then if you played with jim no Gally, right? i was with the bills in uh 80, 87 oh okay and that was before they ra- made the run but all those same guys were there i mean i knew all those guys but um yeah it wasn't wasn't there for the super bowl unfortunately
0: Jim Kelly, what four years in a row? I think he went. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. insane. What four, a, what losses. Yeah, four losses? Four losses in a row. Just I saying. think they say he's the. I think they say the second greatest quarterback to ever uh, play the game that didn't win a Super that Bowl. Didn't right? win Dan Marino a was well, first. He,
1: right, he's pretty good. There's always arguments between about Marino and Kelly. Oh yeah,
0: all right. Yeah. yeah, I knew Jim Kelly. We, I think he. Um, I'm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I believe he he was born like right around yep. like 45 so they're minutes both, from me they're
1: both pit you know from that's right the pittsburgh area so that's that's what fosters some of that comparison
0: got it okay yeah there's a there's a big town nearby i think it's called Chicora. big monuments and all that for to jim kelly and uh he's 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 fighting cancer i believe yeah, he's, now. Got, he's, he's a, got a got fighter cancer, unfortunately he's a, oh, he's wow. a
1: super guy he, he ran hard though i can tell you that mm. he he had a good time so, that
0: paranoia, I'm glad you bring that up because I've talked to many entrepreneurs and they are always working as if someone's trying to take it away from them. And yeah. I think that's a crucial characteristic to have if you want to make it big. So, that has to be instilled at you at a young age or even whenever you first start that business that there is somebody out there either working, outworking you or trying to work to take it away from you.
1: Well, you just see it, it could be a technology that you're not into yet. You may not. I mean, so what do you do about AI, right? So, um, you know, a small business only has so much time, but can you afford not to spend some time on trying to dig into some of that? And we do. And we use AI every day now. Yep. I started it in January of this year, but, it, you know, it's only been out for a little while and it's a real balance between that paranoia and 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 the time you have in the day to, to get stuff done.
0: That's a game changer, too. I'm glad you bring that up because I didn't I didn't believe in AI until I started playing with Chad GPT, I believe it was right around January of this year, whenever it started to make waves. And as entrepreneurs starting businesses online, you need to adapt or die. Yep. You
1: try to fight yep. it, you'll lose. There's no doubt you got to you got to create content. Content is king and um all, all of there's a lot of tools that, from AI that can be used to help create content. So,
0: so sorry to cut you off. I know you want to get how it transpired from NFL career, football, being around all these elite players to going back to school and then most likely uh, getting into the online space
1: yeah so i started off um while i was playing football i started a, a plant nursery we, we grew young plants and sold them through the mail and um had that business i thought i, w- I would just kill it in no time it took me a little longer to really get it going than i than i thought it actually did really well in the end i sold it that business and the guy that i sold it to um really liked what i was doing he's like hey go go find some other businesses that we can do together, and I found a, I started doing from there. I started doing financial turnarounds, going into companies that were struggling financially. Uh, maybe they hadn't kept up with technology or things like that. And I did a series of about four of those, um, where we would come in and buy buy a company, and and realign the strategy and get them back on get them back on track. Mostly taking catalog companies and bringing on board best practices via the internet. Hmm.
0: Did you notice that you were doing a lot of things right or wrong, right out of the gate that you probably see in other people, right? I, I I work with people on their books and what's funny is they always want to write a book and I ask them, well, how do you see your life uh, growing a year from now? Who are you going to become five years from now? And they, they can't give me the answer. And I said, well, you got to start with the end in mind. And so yeah. I knew that was my weakness when I first started. Therefore, I could spot it in others. Anything
1: like that in your yeah. journey? Well, I mean, you do have to have a vision. For what that future is going to look like, to have even a chance to align those resources, you only have so many resources. You only have so much time in the day. You know, there's you you really have to spend it wisely because because frivolously spending time can can you're not going to get there. And and so yeah, you have to have the vision in order to to spend the time efficiently and correctly on a path that you're going to be successful on. You have to have a vision for what that future looks like, more than just a few months. And most people have very very short term. Most people don't don't have long term vision. And I think that's if you can have that, if you can really, you know, put that put that to paper, um, that can make a huge, huge difference for you. I think people that have that are the more successful people for sure. Yeah, no doubt, because it gives you clarity. Clarity is a superpower, how you speak,
0: how you dress, where you're going. Individuals will either want to invest in you, work with you, hire you and the works. So uh, um, in your book, where do you begin if you're able to give a couple, you know, pages of insight on this podcast where do people begin when it come to when it well comes to i mean there's so mind. many
1: elements to running a business and you have to have them all in, in place so yeah. there's there are not that many books out there that sort of explain everything you need to do to even get started all the way from you know what kind of structure do you want to be what what is what is the long-term goal of the company and that will determine the structure um, you know, what, what, how, how are you going to do what? How are you going to develop your products? What does the product development process look like? That's sort of my secret sauce that, I, that has been very important to my, uh, my career and every one of these turnarounds that I've done. Um, new product development is heals all, all ales. All, you know, it, it, it'll, it'll invigorate your customer base. And it doesn't always necessarily mean that. That product is going to be great. It even a, even a, a, an okay product that's new, that's maybe a, a step above, that, that customers will re examine your older products. And we find that, that by introducing new products, you're e- even selling more of your older products. Uh, wow. So, new product development is huge. Now, all the disruption that's t- taken place uh, online, uh, the deprecation of third party cookies, um, how do we track people anymore? Attribution is a huge problem. Now, we, we we wish we could go back to the days where we had much, much clearer, and cleaner attribution. And so I just go into some of the details that are that are in the book about those those changes that have happened. And, you know, human beings don't like change and but change is happening faster than ever before in oh, business. Yeah. And so, you know, you just almost it's almost a must that you have to keep up with all the changes that are happening. Yeah, I, I I tell people
0: all the time, like when you first start a business, everything you do most likely is wrong. How you manage your team, what you're thinking, what you're doing, but that's not a bad thing. You're just still moving and yeah. what you learn along the way will make it more refined as long as you keep at it and consistency and time in the game. They say it's more important about time in the market than timing the market. So yeah. I think as long as you stay the course as an entrepreneur, you just have to outlast your competitors. And that's yeah. that's that's the fun.
1: That's I, I agree with that. I also you know you really not have to know your customer and what they're seeking and what they're what they're wanting, um, and that sort of drives also your your product development.
0: Yeah, process. and I, I'm glad you bring that up. I want to ask you about target audience. Uh, I meet with people all the time. Hey, who are we going to write this book for? And they say everybody. And I say, oh yeah, yeah. lord, that's a mistake. Yeah. So how do you help people define that target audience? Is it based off of the the problem
1: you're solving or who you
0: really want to serve? serve
1: yeah so that i just realized at i'm a member of some ceo groups that uh that meet from time to time in different areas a lot of them are in apparel and different things but we meet and just talk about our our common problems and i realized that that there was a lot of people that that were suffering from all the changes that are taking place in the digital marketplace and so that's that's kind of how i arrived at this particular book in that that there was so many, it ended up being just Q and A with me. These groups are supposed to be like a group thing, everybody learning, but a lot of them ended up being Q and A with me, learning, teaching them what what I'm finding in the changes that I've that I've seen. Just because these changes are so drastic, they're they're just really uh, affecting the business. One of my clients said to me one time, he's like,
0: "Listen, I'm you know I've done really well. People ask me to come and speak at their events." He, he was actually a, an individual who Tony Robbins hired to teach him real estate. Very successful guy. And he one time told me and a group of people that uh, he would never take on another business ever if he was limited in the fact that he couldn't hire virtual assistants, Hmm. right? So it's funny, this multimillionaire in real estate, all that. But if he were to invest in a company and you couldn't use virtual assistants, no chance. So the power of virtual assistants and AI alone are total game changers. How much do you recommend that even to your students, clients, or... Anybody reading this book?
1: Yeah. So I, I drove the uh, AI policy at Seton Hall. A lot of these professors were not even aware of it. You can imagine how it changes academia. Um, these papers can be cranked out pretty quickly and um, professors just really have to be in tune to what's going on. I actually encourage my students to use AI, but they have to tell me how they're using it. and And I'm learning from them, which is a always a positive, right? That, they're telling me how they're using it. And it all comes down to the prompts and, uh, you know, engineering these prompts in a, in a way that that is, um, that is very effective. And we, like I said, we use it in our business every day. And um, I just think it'll be more and more uh, as we get better at it, um, as, as the world gets better at it, it's going to just be an, uh, another tool that we use just like a computer.
0: So are you a big believer in anybody who's out there who has the entrepreneurial bug? You got to start with an online business. Quit yeah. worrying about a brick and mortar business, taking on debt, and then waiting for customers to enter the door. You could do things a very smart way with it, whether it's e-com or whether it's just create a website, go to a go high level uh, website, create a CRM and start to play with it without much debt being taken yeah. on. So, you know, is that, is that the game plan on online businesses? That's where I kind of Uh, well
1: there's such an advantage to online businesses um there like you said the the cost of getting started is is so much less you there's a lot of huge businesses that started in a garage and that's just a a testimonial um you still got to please customers either way whether you're brick and mortar or not you still got to come through you know for your customers so the 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 actual product and and the service of that product has to be there Uh, but you can reach so many more people for such less expense um you know it's just it's just it's hard to for me to look at it any other way than online is is key yeah there's people who are worried about
0: billboards and newspapers and tv i think they're dinosaurs they're gone you can get very hyper focused targeted ads with meta in point we have an individual who just came to me we need hey i need more leads with my book ran an ad on meta and $5 later, they got two leads coming in because they downloaded their book. So that's the game. Is that what you recommend is basically get everything set up. And then maybe, I don't know if you have a a game plan of prove your system before running ads, but um, I'm just seeing so much on that front with ads.
1: Yeah. Well, I, so I have a formula for how much we can spend based on the margin on ads, and then we factor that in. We and we we max that out as as much as we can to make sure we we end up with enough margin. But again, all that's changing, constantly changing, because it's a very competitive world. So those those formulas are are changing. So the company that I'm currently running, we have 5,300 SKUs, and I have a margin game plan for a different amount of ad spend per revenue dollar for each one. So it's 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 uh. It's that tight, so you, you 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 know i I believe in ad, online advertising uh, and I want to spend as much as I can, but I don't want to spend too much. so I have to have a formula that that basically targets each SKU. Wow and is this uh are these products that are all found on
0: Amazon or do you run ecom stores then?
1: Not all of them are on Amazon they're on our, our web store. We have certain products that are that are on on Amazon. We have a very robust uh, Amazon presence.
0: So I've worked with a lot of people who got into the e-com business. I think it was about three years ago when it was booming. And then there was the Amazon slap or the Walmart slap, where they just knocked down all those e-com stores. Are you familiar with that? Mm, yep. Yeah. Yep. So um, it, it, to keep people from ever making that mistake, what do you recommend? Like you said, you have your own website and I think you need to own your data. So whatever happens, own the data. That's my crucial.
1: Right. Well, Amazon does have such a, a um, an advantage because they have the most data. Right. So they they have more data than I do. But I try to use Amazon. I try to leverage Amazon to learn from Amazon. And they're not necessarily the exact same customer, but I have certain products that I think they actually do better on Amazon. And I and I feature them there and I have certain products that I think do better it, outside of Amazon. Um, and, and so it's not a it's again, all that's sort of based on the skew as well so not everything is going to have you know a strategy that's generic it's going to have its own specific strategy hmm. are these all drop shipped items then we do a little bit of drop ship um most of our items are our best-selling stuff is stuff that we invented that we that we oh. created and, that's and so there's not that not the exact you know competition for that and that's that's also a big advantage on amazon
0: how much should people worry about you know the website, the the company name, uh,
1: logo, personal brand in your eyes? well, people 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 are pulled in different directions, right? They can be loyal to a brand, and there are some brands out there that are very loyal. Our customer base is you know is very very loyal. We see about four to eight percent of a transaction that happens on Amazon. They, they end up eventually being a customer of ours also. And so that's a, that's a nice draw. I don't know how they get to us. I, you know, maybe they see our name somewhere or, or whatever, but they look us up and, and then they're, they are our customers. So that's, that's just, you know, a fortuitous thing. I don't know if, I really don't know if all businesses are that way. I do some consulting and I don't necessarily see those same kind of numbers in most of the other businesses that I do. So I think it's cause we're an enthusiast market and these people are just very curious and they're out there just looking for, you know, advantages in there in the, the hobby and craft space that we're in.
0: One of the biggest mistakes that I made in my first four businesses—they were all failures—was I was trying to think too big. I was trying to be the next Steve Jobs before I even had a dollar coming in. Hmm. Is that a common uh, mistake people are making—that they're trying to, you know, put the cart before the horse?
1: Yeah, I, I get to see. So I I do some consulting, and so I get to see sort of some mature companies that have evolved, and then I also am seeing a lot of entrepreneur students. So this is like a big gap between where they're where they're coming from and and a learning gap as well. Um, but I, I really see everything. I see people that are that that are thinking mega, and I don't discourage that necessarily because you know they might make it, they might, they might have that that magic. Uh, but I also, you know, the attention to detail and getting down into the weeds of of what you're actually going to be doing is is so key. And and so from there you'd have to come way, way down. And it's a lot easier to do that. And a very focused and narrow business and get good at that first and and then go from there
0: in your formula are you a big believer in bootstrapping your own business until it's yeah. profiting and I then mean, go to investors? Know, i mean
1: I, I um was very conservative i had made money early on because of football but um i was very i, I drove the same car all through the time i played in the nfl that i have? drove in college right. so i wouldn't i wasn't frivolous at all what would you drive um, and I think that bootstrapping is because you learn so much, and you, you don't want to learn on your on your your savings. You want to learn on on your bootstrapping. That's the best way to do it. I mean, you look at uh, Steve Jobs bootstrapped. Um, oh, yeah, Facebook bootstrapped. I mean, there's Tesla boots. I mean, there's some mega companies that bootstrap. It's nobody wants to do that. Everybody wants to go out and get the money, and you know, you know have have some income and start paying themselves. And really, you got to be willing to i think bootstrapping is a very smart way to go it's a lot less expensive. You don't have that debt you're taking on and um and you learn um at a lot lower cost nice what type of card do you have i had a um i had a Malibu Oh wow. Okay. I'm thinking at least you're you're
0: in the NFL, you're probably gonna have something really flashy. So I'm no thinking, I just spoke to a professional
1: that flashy. This was not <laughs> wasn't impressing anybody with this You're very at all, smart man. with your money. It seems yeah. like your
0: financial literacy was built in, or maybe you knew the statistics of the average person in professional sports lasts what less than two seasons or something. Like
1: yeah, that. the NFL average career is three years and I played three years, so it's just my, my body wasn't made for that that beating that you take. So
0: man that's interesting okay so you did this you did the smart way not many people come out with a with a business acumen and having money so well done on that the
1: truth is there's nfl players if you look at nfl players there's there's every kind of walk of life there's there are drug users there's christians there's really smart people that went to harvard and there's people that i don't know how they even got in college and played college um all kinds of percent. It's just every walk of life. And so it's hard really to pinpoint that at all, because there's, there's some really successful NFL players that went out and started businesses and did, have done really, really well.
0: Hmm. Uh, I look at, uh, business as like a chess game and, uh, you know at first it was like war and i still look at it as war but do you see a lot of similarities between football and business how it's all really, about strategy mentality i really
1: do I, that's that that strategic management connection my cognitive and my doctorate um and and what i saw in terms of when i was a player and 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 the and the strategies that made all the difference in the, in the world and again, it even becomes more important when you're in a, an environment and an economic environment that's changing so rapidly um, that you have to really be constantly assessing and looking for opportunities to uh, to, to capitalize on because they're there, and if you don't assess, so you're not going to find them. So, and the same thing with football. You know, you watch a game, you play a game, um, then you then you watch that game over and over and over again. You watch it multiple times. You you look at the same play twenty times. Right. And you and you learn from it and you move on to the next play, the next play. And then you go out you go out, and you start looking at the film of the team you're going to play. And then and then you go out. They've arranged um, plays for that particular team. You go out and practice those plays. There's, and that same process is the way you should run a business. We don't look at film, but but, you know, we should be constantly assessing. You should be constantly looking for opportunities. You know, it it is, it is, you know, even at halftime, you know, putting, putting game plans together. So a business is the same way we have, we can review, we can plan ahead. We can review while things are going on and make adjustments while, while you're in, in the process of fulfilling and doing the, the marketing that you're doing. And then we can, we can assess afterward, you know, what we could have done differently and apply that to the next, next round. And so it's the same process. Well. I
0: talked to a guy who was a great speaker and I asked him one time, like, how do you become a great speaker like yourself? And he said, record everything, get on podcasts, record everything, and then listen to yourself. And that is very much like the tape within the NFL, right? You got to hear yourself. You got to watch yourself. And then every time you'll make adjustments. And so I'm a big believer in digital assets. That's why I run this podcast. Uh, I think with AI, eventually I'll be able to duplicate myself a thousand different ways if I have enough digital assets in place. But by doing podcasts and creating video content, you could scale yourself pretty damn easily. And uh, I think that makes you a better person. And I look at entrepreneurship as a personal development journey disguised as a business journey. So if you constantly record yourself, automatically, you're going to refine yourself. And I think that's crucial.
1: So I teach uh, the seminal class you take to get your MBA at Seton Hall. Uh, This is the last class that these students take. And I also teach first gra- class you take in business in undergrad and i see the difference is just unbelievable in how they've come along but this last class is a consulting class and we're literally consulting real companies and we're assessing them and then they're, they're, you're given a they give a presentation and so you, you so they're constantly practicing and some of them are at different levels of being able to speak and but it is that attention to detail that's so so important and just watching yourself and you and i I watch them as they get better and better, and at the end they're much much more professional than they were when they started. they were nervous they were you know they were there were big gaps in in the way they spoke there was disruption, and then at the end they're smooth and professional, and the message actually gets delivered so much better when it's like that
0: yeah hmm. uh, have you uh been? drawn to any type of speakers or books or authors that uh, have really shaped who you are today? We always ask that amongst our guests. So
1: I mean, I'm a, I'm a voracious reader and I'm, I'm always looking for it's mostly business uh, books that I, that I, that I read um, mostly about, about strategy for the most part. Um, no, nobody in particular that I'm like a follower of or anything, but I just, if it's, if it's in that space of strategy, if it's in, in any anything uh, about change, I'm definitely checking that out. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm I'm reading all the time.
0: Napoleon Hill, Jim Rohn, yeah. Robert Kiyosaki, right? I'm yeah, assuming sure. those are the ones on your list yep. too. As everybody, so yes. Um, another thing I've learned from interviewing great entrepreneurs is that they're always thinking with the end in mind, not for their life but for the business itself. They're trying to build it to sell, and and once I started to. Put it down on paper that i'm going to sell this company i started to build it in a different way now even if i don't ever want to sell it i'm, I'm yeah. building it in a way that makes it scalable that makes it attractive that actually can make it run without me being involved and i think that is one of the mistakes most entrepreneurs make because they love it it's a passion why would i ever want to sell it i want to be involved yeah well you're building it the wrong way every step of the way so um anything like that, that you have seen uh amongst your students or uh, individuals you've worked with that, yeah, once they get the mentality of building it to sell, it's a game changer. Yes,
1: I like that. I, I and to, to just one off of that is uh, the companies that I run um, have been in areas that I know nothing about. So I ran the largest <laughs> rose company in the world, Rose Ornamental Roses. I ran a very large seed company. I don't know anything about roses. I don't garden. I don't. I don't do any of that stuff. Um, right now, I'm running a, a micro tool company. We sell precision power tools, uh, not what you would find in Home Depot. Um, MicroMark sells stuff that's really for that high-end user that's willing to pay for that precision. Got it. I don't. My wife has more power tools. I don't. I don't touch power tools, but I find that that um, that's an important to, to not have that bias. You're really looking at data. I'm not picking out which power tool I like the best and sort of present that. I'm going by the data and I'm unbiased. And that sort of goes along with a little bit what you were saying is that if you back out of a company and you build it to sell it, you, that almost forces you to be to be less biased in what your passion's about and more about building that business out to what's best for the business. And that's that's why I think not being biased, not even having any knowledge of it and having using business acumen is, is really a, a powerful tool. Yeah, because if your emotions
0: get involved, you make really bad decisions. Yeah. And then... Once you're involved and you are the solution to every problem, every problem will fall on your plate. And therefore, yeah. it, you become your own like, um, firefighter, right? You create yeah. fires and then you put them out and then you're not progressing. So when I started thinking about all the things I love to do, and this is a great entrepreneur topic. Maybe you have something to share too But uh, in regards to this. But put a list together of things you love and like, don't like, and what you hate. And tomorrow, hire somebody for what you hate. And then do that that. for what you don't like, and then eventually you're going to be doing everything that you like and love. And I guarantee, what you like and love
1: is what you're good at and what produces revenue, right? Right. Right. I've gotten a lot better at hiring as I've gotten older, Uh, a lot wiser. I put a lot of effort into it. Um, You know, and I I do a lot of research on it because if you make the right hire to what you're saying, and definitely definitely get somebody that can do the things that you're not good at. I don't even. I don't even go with. I hate. I go with with what, what I'm not necessarily good at. I know what I'm not good at. And I don't need to be doing that because I'm not good at it. Let's get somebody <laughs> good at that doing that thing. And um just when you hire the right person, it can make such a difference to an organization. And then when you when you make the wrong choice, it can also have such a negative impact. So it's really, really important part of the process.
0: How crucial is culture to an internet business? Because at yeah, first so- I didn't really understand it. And and then I started to see when I built my team there was a culture based off of my personality. And it's a Dr. Joe Dispenza quote that says, your personality creates your personal reality. And that really much, that really did shine through in probably the fifth or sixth year of my business. So anything about culture that you could share with
1: us? Absolutely, so culture culture is not a thing that a CEO mandates or or creates by himself. It's done as as a team. But you can definitely lead the charge, and so one of the things that I do when I when I go into these organizations that I did financial turnarounds for, part of it is you're just uh, observing this culture. Like, why if, if it's in trouble, it's, you usually have a bad culture, right? That that's that's a yeah. common link. And so why why is this going on? well? It, usually, there's tribes and there's cliques of people that you know they don't they think all the other people are wrong and that they're 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 doing everything right. They're not going to change anything. Um, but what I like to do is observe first and really just get the bearings of of who, how this is is where this is breaking down. But I also want to show every single person in the building, even if it's even if it's a, a, an organization where there's 500 employees that have you know some of the companies that I've run. I make sure that every that people see that I'm willing to do every single job in the building, every single job. I don't care how bad the job is and how low somebody might think it is. Show, I, I am willing to do just so I know I've had a perception of how to do that job. I can speak to, to it from firsthand, but also just to show that nothing's necessarily beneath me either. And that then nobody can really say, hey, that's not my job because we should be willing to do what next man up next, you know, do whatever it takes to to do it. That is a huge culture builder. Uh, it sort of it sort of breaks down the the walls of of a bad culture. And, and if, if, if the leader's willing to do anything, then, then that sort of makes everyone else want to be that part of that team more than, than if they don't. So that's, that's one of my secret recipes to culture. Absolutely. And another thing I learned
0: was getting individuals from different divisions to communicate with each other and get to know each other. This cohesiveness that's born uh, that's outside of the leader's, you know, yeah. grasp. And I think that is crucial. You start to see how people work together without the manager or leader being involved. So uh, that,
1: that's the premise of this other book, um, that I wrote. I don't know if you can see it.
0: Yeah. Uh, put it a little closer there. Uh, it's, you got the, the blurry background yeah, is picking up on thing. it. So
1: yeah. I'll put it anyway, by your face. Called, Maybe that how would to be turn a, your idea into a successful product. Oh, okay. And it, it's it, it Goes to what you were talking about. So the way this process that I have, I think uh, product development is so important in an organization, but I bring in people from every department into a room. When I first get to an organization, I said, our job, we're going to meet once a week. And our job is to bring products that that you think would fit in this organization, whether it's a product that has never been invented and it's, in your, it's a drawing or it's a product that's ready to go and, and we're going to buy it from somewhere and everything in between. And I've got people from accounting and I've got people from fulfillment. I've got people from creative, all these different walks of life. And we meet. And at first it's a very, they're, they're mad because they don't, this is not what they do. And it's hard, but I make them bring ideas, even if they're bad. And over time, the process is very, very good. And you said a a thousand products. We have this company, MicroMark, has introduced forty-seven hundred new products in the oh. last seven years. let bio's off. Years. I apologize, man. That's, That's all right. That's all right. Forty-seven hundred new products using that process of bringing people in, and and some of these ideas come from the craziest places, and a lot of them are bad. But then we build on it because somebody else says, "Oh, what about this?" And and it's it's pretty remarkable what we're able to to accomplish. And again, a lot of that has to do with our growth and what we've seen. You know, some people say that Albert Einstein was was a genius, but another thing he did when he was younger, he worked in a patent office in Bern, Switzerland, and he saw all of these ideas, thousands of ideas coming in all the time. And he's learning them, learning them, learning them. So he had an inventory. A lot of ideas are just an idea laid on top of another idea, right? So you're combining two ideas to make a better idea. And that's maybe a lot of what Einstein did. Right, Mm -hmm. he was. He was. He had an inventory of of amazing ideas that he could combine together more than somebody else could as well. I think that's what we're doing in that process: is that we're the uh, the process of coming in with ideas is a creative process, and that builds more ideas. and And some of these some of these have been multi million dollar products that we've introduced.
0: Another uh, key reason why i think my business was able to succeed is because of the allies i was able to create masterminds and networks um hmm. how much do you preach that to anybody reading this book
1: um i do i do definitely i have i, I mean i make my first of all all my students have to read this book <laughs> oh that's awesome so and a lot of them have gone off and started businesses and and we're still in touch and and they have online businesses and so that's that's just a fun part of the process yeah so the i You know, you are the product of your environment.
0: And I think if you are just around other entrepreneurs, you start to have the solutions that they might also you might you might see some uh, some insight that, like you said, that uh, other people will never be able to see. And uh, by being in rooms, it's like Einstein uh, in the patent office where you're able to see, wow, this person had this idea and they figured this out. Wow. I could take this and build upon it because that's, there's a need for it. So I think it's like a, it's a great way to, um, to, to have a shortcut to, uh, the mentality that is required as an
1: entrepreneur. I agree. That's very good.
0: So, uh, when they pick up this book, um, what, what, do you have any solution? Do you have a CRM that you recommend any type of?
1: No. So I don't go to that because the reason is it, it changes so much, right? And everybody has their personal their personal tastes. And you know, there's plenty of CRMs out there that that there's plenty of uh, project management tools out there. There's plenty, and I don't want I I don't necessarily, and even even in that kind of thing, I usually have somebody in my organization pick what they want and they run it for us, and it, everyone has access to it. I just don't get down into that level because it that's going to change within a few months after the book is out. Um, <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> and nothing is guaranteed a year from now. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So you need to adapt or die once again. Absolutely. And uh, all right. So you guys, the book is called How to Run an Internet Business Now, Aligning Modern Academic Principles with Professional Best Practices Post-Pandemic. If there's one other book outside of your own book that you recommend for our listeners to read, what is it?
1: Hmm, good good question. Well, I would go with this this other one that I wrote. But... <laughs> of course, all right, that's good. <laughs> Actually, the other one that I wrote is is a, a a more broad book, I guess, and it's it's um it sells better on Amazon for whatever reason. It's a little thinner book, but it it, it definitely is one that I that I that I like. Um let's see. I, I I I I got so many potential things I could mention in terms of of books, but um um I've read um a Professor from Columbia has a book out about how ideas are created. I'm trying to remember the the name of that book. I'll put it in the chat. Yeah. Um it's it's brand new. Cool. And you know, you how do ideas get created? I mean, you know, the human mind is so interesting, right? If you I, one of my classes, I flash a a pit an image of um of uh, Taylor Swift in a in a with a microphone. And I just flash it for a second as if it was a mistake. And then I ask everyone to close their eyes and re put that image back in their head. Like, what did that look like? Because it's too quick to get the whole thing, right? What was her shoes like? What color was her dress? Is she, was she wearing any necklaces? Or what, how long was her, how was her hair? Done? So they all close their eyes and they do that. And, and then I ask them, how many of you think you got 50% of it right? And some of them raise their hand. By the time you get to 70, nobody's hands are up anymore. Right. So you're only, but what, what, what happened with the part that you didn't get right? Your brain filled it in. It wasn't blank. Your brain filled that in somehow. Right. What, what is going on there in that process? Because your brain knows it wasn't blank. It was something. So, so you come up with what you think it was. It might've been blue and you put in red, but your brain recreates that. I just find that the whole pr- process of creativity is absolutely fascinating to me. And and the way the brain works in that, in that whole process is, is to me, um, like I want to learn so much more about that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Creative problem solving. Um, do you believe it's something you're born with or is it something that can be strengthened over time based off of your environment? And the reason why I bring that up is because whenever I read Dr. Jordan Peterson's book, have you ever read his book yet? Yes. Okay. And uh, I watched one of his speeches. He talks yeah. about how at certain ages, you know, you, you, certain parts of your brain will fire and light up for the first time ever based off of what you put yourself through. And that's yeah. what happened as an entrepreneur. And it was like, oh, I got this. Oh, I got this. I see how it connects. Yeah. But I would never have been able to do that um, if I wasn't put in certain situations. So I put believe in certain situations. Expensive.
1: I agree with that. Yeah. So the human body and brain is way more powerful than we even know. And I'm a testament to that. So if you had known me when I was, you know, 12, you're not going to say this kid's going to play in the NFL. And I had pretty average speed. Um, and I just decided I wanted to play sports. And I knew that speed was going to get me on the field. And so I started working on being faster and, and ran track in, in high school, started off from track in high school. And I was, I was okay. I wasn't great. And I, I went home after track practice and had my own track practice. I did additional drills, did more and more and more. And by the time I graduated from high school, I was a state champion. And so that just tells me the body can, can, can just do amazing things if you, if you do the right thing. So I have this formula. I wish I had it with me. It's, it's P equals big K, medium size P, little t. So, performance. Your performance is equal to your knowledge. That's the most important thing. How much you practice—that's the second most important thing. The last thing is your talent. So if you if 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 you want, we're going back to the you know the Jim Kellys and the Bruce Smiths. They had talent, and they were going to practice, but they were seeking that knowledge. They wanted to know that big K. Mm-hmm. And, and the people that seek the big K are the ones that go the furthest. Wow. Performance equals knowledge times, uh,
0: practice, practice. times, uh, talent. Talent. That's deal. it. Excellent. I like it, man. That's beautiful. It's not knowledge isn't power. The application of knowledge is power, right? That's yep. what they say. Awesome. Right. So, And I'm a big believer in creative freedom. And so if you guys are out there and you're looking to obtain creative freedom, Start an online business. It does lead to freedom everywhere. Financial freedom, physical freedom. Uh, and that's another thing. I want freedom of from wherever I want to live. I want to grow my business from there, my own home,
1: home office. Yeah, that's a, nice, that's a nice positive. Absolutely. It's beautiful. Guys, the book, uh,
0: How to Run an Internet Business Now. Dr. Chaz Fox, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time, man. Fun time. Thank, thank you very much. Remember, guys, a million dollar book will lead to a million dollar life. Right on.